This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 48 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on Horse Radio Network. Helping the food aggressive horse. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the classroom to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Equine Clicker 101 is brought to you by Vianova Training, Priority to Positive. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the food aggressive horse, the food obsessed horse, the over aroused around food horse, the the resource guarding horse, all the things that kind of make up things that are uncomfortable for both us and, the, and them being around food. So we're going to talk about some of the causes, what we can do about it, and understanding more about what creates that in our horses. You know, one of the things that people do a lot is they ask me, where can I find a clicker? Where can I find a side bucket to hold that precious food? (laughs) Where can I find a target or a book or a video or coaching or whatever it might be? So where you can find those things is you can go to my website, which is shaunacarish.com. So you go to shaunacarish.com and you will find a tab that says product page. (laughs) And so go to the product page and there you'll find different things that you can learn more about and figure out if you want to buy it or maybe even want to make it. That's all okay too. So that's where you can go to for that. And you know, once you're there, you're also going to notice that my website is with the Vianova Priority to Positive website because this is where I'm based out of is Vianova. So to learn more about what we're doing here at Vianova, you can go and look on that website. But you know what? First, let's just listen a little bit more and learn more about it. At Nova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world, from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete. Or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse, and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Vianova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty. Well, here we are. So as we, this is probably one of the the bigger subjects that I get from people right out of the bat, right out of the shoot. And sometimes some people way down the pike, but, but they can create or already have horses or it can be a little bit obsessed with the food. We often refer to it as a horse aggress, our food aggressive horse. But, you know, if you really break it down, it's not necessarily aggression because aggression really comes out of fear. Well, this can actually come out of fear, but it is, it is inappropriate or uncomfortable behavior around food. And I don't like 
to to feel like my horse has anything that becomes a bit of an obsession or that something they feel like they must have or they're not getting enough of. So I don't want to feel like I have this trigger in there that can they can reemerge at any time. I want to help address that and get them to a place where they can be relaxed around food. They know they're going to get food. So there's some things that we need, we can do to help them. And, and there's some things that, you know, understanding it will help. So first of all, let's go back to the basic adage that I talk about all the time. If any behavior increases in frequency, something's reinforcing it. Okay, that's easy to see. It would be the food. But but there's also this behavior serves them. For some reason, this is a behavior they've choose because it's worked for them in the past. So oftentimes a food aggressive horse feels or a food obsessed horse or a food over aroused horse feels that there's going to be either some shortage about the food and they might not get enough of it. I mean, that's the primary thing. Thing that really happened. So either maybe as a baby, they as they got weak, they felt some dire need to be around, you know, to, that that they had to get the food because it was going to be a shortage because they were getting weed. And they felt this desperation about I need milk. I don't understand grass or grain or whatever it might be. Or it could be that it then was the smallest horse in a herd. And the, the bigger or more assertive horses would drive the horse off of the food. So now we've created a bit of a scarcity for the food, or it's a horse that maybe has truly been in a starvation situation where really they, they, in them, they think I might die if I don't get this food. And then another situation might be that sometimes we bring out food that is very, very exciting. And then they feel like I'm not going to get enough of that food. So I think that really understanding that where it comes from is always a fear of not getting enough, not having enough. So, so when we understand that a little bit, it makes it a little bit easier to process. So a big thing that I think about is when I see a horse, when I do an expo, I'm going to tell you guys when people, I, so now I have an hour to convince people why this is a significant thing or the changes we can make using positive reinforcement. I will tell the organizers who are going to bring me a horse who knows nothing about what I do. I tell them, bring me a horse that is obsessed with food. Bring me a food aggressive horse. Bring me the horse that everybody says, this will never work with this horse because he's just so wound up. And I want to work with that horse because you know what? If they're a horse that's pretty polite around food, I'm going to tell you 90% of that audience says that's not how my horse would be. So I want, I want them to bring out the horse that's going to be obsessed about it because usually within about a minute, I can teach that horse a new plan, a new thing to do. So very quickly, the horse learns if I want food, I just keep my head over here and the food comes to me. Well, that's a lot easier. So we, I get that's, I love that. I mean, because it's a really easy thing to adjust. And I'm going to tell you, there's another situation that can cause what looks like a food aggressive horse is a food assertive horse. (laughs) So a lot of times people, when they first start utilizing food for any way without a systematic approach, they just think, oh yeah, I will, I'm going to feed him, you know, when he does this or feed him when he does that or feed him when he's in his stall or whatever it might be. But what we end up kind of doing is 
accidentally enforcing inappropriate behavior. So think about it. When your horse reaches his head over a fence or over a stall door and then you feed him, what behavior just got reinforced? It's the reaching for and pursuing the food. So as we begin to want to, you know, as we want to begin to use food, people a lot of times will even feed at the food source. And that's why when I teach you in in the very first lesson, when you're going to feed your horse, I want you to reach over and feed where you want the head to be. Because if we feed at the food source, we draw a lot of attention to the food source. We teach them to pursue the food versus you stand over here and the food will come to you. So it can be just a man, a, a matter of poor management, you know, poor awareness of, of what behavior is actually occurring when we feed them. Because every single time we feed our horses, we're reinforcing something. So whatever behavior is happening at that time, we have just reinforced it. So it's very important that you are aware of what is happening when I feed this food. And so people not thinking about behavior, just thinking I want to give my horse a carrot, can accidentally turn our horse into a horse that, that very enthusiastically pursues the food. Now that's not going to be a fear situation as much as this is how I've learned it's done. And I really do want this resource. So I think that it is important to keep that in mind. It's also a term that you've also heard of a lot with the dog world is resource guarding. And that means that they're seeing this as a valuable commodity. They're seeing it as a resource and, and that will come a little more out of fear because they're feeling like I might not have enough of this. I might be chased off of this. I might not be able to get this. And, and that is, goes back to the fear issue. The other issue is behaviorally, we could have conditioned them to be food mongers. And, and then what happens is I have talked about before that when we stop reinforcing a behavior that has previously been reinforced. So let's picture this. This horse has been fed for reaching over his stall door, reaching over the fence. He's kind of learned to go get the food. He has limitations because there's a fence or a stall door there. there. So it, there's only so much they could do and we just feed them, not really thinking about it. Or somebody has reinforced them or fed them, not thinking about them reinforcing that behavior of reaching for the food. If you open that door, that horse may go straight for you and push you and nudge on you for food. And that's, that's because now they can, when before you could step away easily and then people will feed that. So really they can be feeding that intent from the get go. The horse is reaching as far as he can to get the person and the person feeds him. So he learns, aha, that's what I should be doing. And then, so now let's say the horse comes to a new home. He comes to you. Now he's going to be your horse. We well, has this long history of doing this one particular behavior, which is pursue the food, go get the food, help yourself to the food. And you decide, no, I don't want to reinforce that. That's not very polite. That's not very comfortable. And, and they can, we can start something called an extinction schedule. So as we extinguish or get rid of a behavior, it, in the very beginning, the behavior actually increases in frequency because they think this always worked before and now it's not working. So I better try harder. This always worked before. Now it's not working. I better try even harder. And frustration starts to come into this picture because they don't understand why the rules have changed. So before the behavior goes away, it can actually go to a very desperate, very frustrated 
very animated and even extreme or dangerous place. So a lot of times with the horse that's learned it one way, and then we're like, no, no, we're not going to reinforce that. And you just don't reinforce it. It can go to a place where they are trying harder and harder and harder and harder and can be getting to a dangerous place. So I'm going to point out when we very first started in lesson one, we started working taking food and a horse who thinks, well, the food comes to me, I get my food or the food comes into my stall and it's dumped in my bucket that you have food. It must be my food. The very first thing I want to do is teach them to turn their head away, to keep that, that food is going to come to you, but it's a challenge. You know, I need the timing. I tell you, it's to me, I think it is the hardest point in the training of all the training, because at that point, I don't have a way to actually help the horse, to make it clear, to help him find the right answer. The best thing I can do is I have a side bucket that I can actually, it's a hard side bucket. So if food is in your pocket or in a fanny pack or bum bag, if you're in the UK, it is, they, they feel like they can get it. It kind of can turn into a game. Well, this hard side bucket, it's just big enough that their mouth really can't get in it all the way. And my head can actually tuck down in it. So it becomes like Fort Knox. It's like a vault they can't get the food from. So that's one way that I can set them up for success because I can put my hand in there and say, you cannot get it. But the next thing I need to do is take the slightest, teeniest, tiniest increment of looking away, looking at something else, responding to something else and click and feed that right away. And I exaggerate, I feed it way far away from the food source and I give them a big old handful. And what they're doing at that time, they're busy chewing that big old overwhelming handful while they're chewing it. They're relaxed because they're not trying to think, how do I get the food? How do I get the food? I want the food. I want to get the food. I need the food. How do I get the food? They're thinking, oh, I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. So they're eating, going, oh, look, I got it. I have the food and I'm eating it. While they're still eating, before they start pursuing more food, I click and I feed again. And they're like, oh, okay, I was still eating, but I'll take that. And their little their little cheeks get packed like chipmunks. You know, they just keep getting more and more in there. But I keep reinforcing them. And the point is, two. One is I want them to learn the food comes to them. And there's plenty of the food. So I want them to realize, wow, the food is plentiful. It, it is. It keeps coming to me. And it also, when they're the most relaxed in that equation is when they're chewing. So it's also a way that I can reinforce them for a relaxed attitude. So it's a relaxed demeanor. So it's the way that I actually start shaping relaxation which is kind of a bigger process, a, a, you know, it can take a longer time, but I want to do it from that very first minute I work with them because then I can get it. So it's built in a little more easily without them going to over arouse first and me having to go back to teaching relaxation. But some horses are just a little bigger, a little brighter, a little, you know, more prone to an activity level. And it may just, they can still be a challenge to do, but I'm going to shape relaxing and it may not be perfect, but I'll slowly shape that process, which we have a lesson on that too. But anyway, that's where I, in that first lesson, I want to start teaching from that first minute, food comes to you, food is plentiful, and I want them to figure out what they're doing for the food. And I want to start working and building upon that relaxation that I create in the timing of when I'm feeding.
So this is a little tricky. It's, it's a tricky part and it's not easy to do because the timing is, is, is a challenge. But people do get it. You do work through it a bit. And if you ever feel like you have a horse that, you know, it makes you just a little uncomfortable that I don't feel comfortable with him pursuing me or looking at me or he's too close or he's on top of me or I don't know what he's going to do. You can do this over a fence, over a stall door. So you can do it in protected contact in one way, shape or form. So it's a way that the horse can't get to you. So you have, you can wait it out a little bit. And if they get a little reachy, you can slowly rock out of their, their way. And the moment they give up and like, ugh, it's not working. I click and I feed them because that's what I want. I want them to stop pursuing and to just wait. The food will come to them. Now, this brings me to another subject that is part of this dynamic. And, and I always use this analogy because to me, this is really rings true. This might not be everybody, but this is definitely me. If I'm hungry and I am I don't even have to be hungry. Let's be honest. And I, uh, so I'm thinking, hmm, you know, I'm minding my own business. And here comes somebody with a warm tray of chocolate chip cookies. I can smell them. I can see them. I know what they are. I want them. I want more than one. I, I'm kind of like, oh, I need one of those. <laughs> That's how I feel. I'm like, I need one. And then if they pinched off a chocolate chip, they gave me a chocolate chip. I'd be like, yeah, okay. And I, I would throw that in my mouth, but I'd want a whole cookie. You know, it wouldn't be enough. It would feel, it's teasing me. I want more than that. I want to feel a little bit of satiation. It's going to leave me in a place where I'm wanting to seek more. I want more. I'm going to work for more. What can I do for more? But not in a good way. You know, we want them to be eager to do it, liking what we have, but not in a way that feels manic and a little bit desperate. And, and that's what I would, if they gave me a chocolate chip, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But what I have to do to get a cookie and in a way that can be frustrating and building tension and stress into that equation. So, but if somebody gave me two, maybe three, <laughs> but you know, if somebody gave me a couple chocolate chip cookies, I'd be like, okay, I feel better. I still want more chocolate chip cookies, but I don't feel so desperate or so removed from it. You know, I, I did get some, I'll probably get more as opposed to, I might not get any, they may keep walking with those chocolate chip cookies and I, I'll never get any of them. And, and perhaps I can't go home and cook them because <laughs> at least I can do that. But I think that to me, it feels like what it must feel like to the horses. They're thinking, I just want that. And now I don't know how to get that. And you're holding all of that and you're leaving or you're taking them away or you're, you're being stingy and not letting me get them. So lesson number one in the feeding process, I'm never stingy with the food. I am plentiful with the food. I don't want to feel like it's a rare commodity that they have to work really hard to get. Now, a lot of people go opposite of that. They don't know. They don't, you know, a lot of people, that's what people have come and says that, oh, I've been feeding so very little. And, and I'm like, well, when we're talking about the food, when really feeding heartily is, is much better for building in the relaxation, the comfort, the softening. So now let's talk about another thing that I think is really important. And that is what we're feeding. So a lot of times, my ultimate goal is to have them working for grass pellets. That's what I want them to think is a tree and this is fun and this is all I'm working for and this is what I want to do. And, and but, but I can't always start there. Sometimes you bring out the grass pellets. I'm not even talking alfalfa. I'm talking 
Timothy, you know, something that is a lower value grass hay pellet. So it's something that I can manage and give a handful and I know I have how much I have on me and it's it's something very manageable and easy to figure out how much you're you're giving because I do calculate what I'm giving them in a day, you know, and I want to work within their diet. But I feel like I can give a big giant handful and not feel like I just gave them, you know, four Snickers bars in one handful or four Milky Ways in one handful. So I don't want to feel like I'm giving them a bunch of candy and a bunch of stuff that's not going to be good for them. I don't want to be loading them up with carbs and things that are going to, you know, maybe throw their system out of whack, create metabolic problems. So I really, my goal is to get them to a a very fundamental basic thing to eat. So like when Henley got here, Henley's like, I like Mrs. Pastures. (laughs) And you're like, okay honey, I, I get it. They all do. Everybody does. But, but I couldn't have her just, that's all she liked. So I had to work with it because that's, you know, she liked carrots too, but she was really pretty, you know, push came to shove or she was a little distracted. It had to be the Mrs. Pastures. So I'm like, okay, I will work with that for now. But, but my goal was to quickly shape her, her one to develop her palate because she had a very limited palate. She was, she's a yearling. She still is a yearling. So she came and she's like, well, no, I don't know what that is. I'm not interested, you know, and she would just, Mrs. Pastures or bust <laughs> or carrots. She would do that. But so I had to teach her about other things. I had to broaden her, her palate and her exposure to other foods. But you know what? There's foods that are, there's horses that are 12 years old that are like, mm, now turn your nose up at, at things like hay pellets. And you're like, well, that's not going to. So I developed that and I start changing it. So when she first got here, I could use the Mrs. Pastures was what I could use when she was very distracted. And then I started using her grain because she's a young horse who doesn't get grass. I supplement her diet with some, uh, you know, a food that helps meet the needs of a growing child, really. And so I would give her 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 grain. And so then, and at first she's like, well, yeah, I get that anyway. That's not the treat. That's not the special thing that Mrs. Pastures are. And then, so I would think, okay, but I would start mixing the Mrs. Pastures with her grain. And so she started going, okay, well then I'll eat them all together. Or I could give her a handful of the grain and follow it with the Mrs. Pastures. It's not like she hated her grain. It just wasn't is appetitive enough. It wasn't exciting enough. And then when that got worked out, you know, I'd start mixing in. We have a ton of low carb treats here, a ton. So I would start mixing in, you know, your cauliflower treats, essentially, you know, they weren't, they weren't the fun potato chips. They were kind of, you know, more, not quite as exciting, but I kept mixing them in with this whole mixture. And I, and then I started mixing in the hay pellets and, and at first it's a little bit of hay pellets and a lot of these other things. And then the hay pellets increased and the others decreased until now I can, she can work for all hay pellets. And and so that's good. Now I can have a bucket full of hay pellets and I still put a couple treats in there. It's usually not the Mrs. Pastures so much anymore because I would rather give her carrots or something that's 
even lower sugar, you know, but I, I can use pretty much hay pellets with a few pieces of carrots in there or a couple cavalier cookies or whatever crunchies in there. And so there's a couple little surprises in there, but mostly it's hay pellets. So she'll work for hay pellets. So I've made the shift, but there's another thing I like about it. So that is something you may need to work on with your horse. But if you have an over aroused, overexcited horse about the food, try something less something less stimulating because sometimes that is just a little kid gone to Disneyland. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is it. This is what I want. And, and we, one, it's not good, like I said, physically for them, but it's not good for them mentally either to be quite so overwhelmed with desire to get that. That doesn't create the relaxed thinking horse that creates a kind of worked up dare I say, agitated horse. So I think getting them to the lower value treats is always a good idea. Now, there are times, like when Henley first got here, I had to start with higher value because I wouldn't get her to want to do anything. And I needed to get her in the program, understanding the training. But as I've mentioned numerous times before, the training when it's done correctly, using positive reinforcement in the training program is really not all about the food. In the beginning, it is all about the food. And then pretty soon, we teach them to be problem solvers, like the game, that this is environmental enrichment. They're like, they can't wait to do whatever we're doing. They'll walk away from their food, which may be better than our food, but to come do the training. Or you put down food for them, they're like, yeah, but I want to do more training. And that's when we've made the shift to getting it where we they are enjoying the puzzle. They're enjoying solving the puzzle, solving the problem. And that's where I equate that to things like I really like doing crossword puzzles and I like Sudoku puzzles. And I like a lot of puzzles or video games. I like that. And nobody pays me for that. And it, and it may be hard and I'm concentrating and it can be even a little bit stressful, but I like it and I choose it and it's stimulating and it it gets my brain going. And that's really what we're trying to get the training to be. So in the beginning, it starts, you know, it's more about the food. We might have to use a higher value treat in the beginning. But as I brought Henley along, Henley's like, I just want to do the stuff and see the stuff and let's do this. And hey, pellets are fine. So I've conditioned her palate, but I've also shifted to the training taking on a higher value unto itself. So that is really a goal we're working for. But also, I want to, but so some horses you have to start with the higher value and then shift to the lower value. But I'll say more often than not, horses, it's better to start at a lower value thing and see if you can't work with that. And sometimes if I have a horse is kind of meh and they're walking away early on, I may mix some equine senior I find across the board. Those senior feeds are made for horses that are losing their appetite they're losing their sense of taste. They can't chew very well. So, so they, they make the equine senior very palatable. They're lower in sugar than a lot of people think they are. They still are higher up than, than a lot of other things. So it's still not my favorite choice, but it is something that they, that it is very palatable. It dissolves very quickly. They can move through. So if I have a horse, it seems like they're kind of challenging to get going. I will start with a mix of some, I will maybe start with just equine senior. Now that's going to be too much for a lot of horses, but then I start shifting the ratio to it's more and more and more of the hay pellets, less of the equine senior and we'll shift over to that. So I would start maybe with a middle of the road is kind of what I might ideally do. 
you know, like where it's half PayPal, it's half Equine Senior and see if that doesn't work and kind of get a baseline for it. Does this work? If it does, then you can start shifting to dropping off on the more, you know, carb loaded grain and, and going more for the hay pellets. But there's another advantage to hay pellets that I quite like. The hay pellets take a long time to chew. So you give them a mouthful of hay pellets and they tend to, it takes them a long time. It slows them down. They're busy enjoying their food for a longer amount of time. But we also have a warning in here. Some horses are a little prone to choke. I've used hay pellets with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of horses and not had choke, but you got to be paying attention to it. You need to make sure there's water available and, and you need to know your horse that you're working with and have they showed these signs before because choke isn't, it's a horrible thing. So using the half hay pellets, half equine senior is another way. If you feel like you have a horse that's very prone to choke, Again, because the equine senior, it breaks down very quickly because it's made for horses that a lot of times don't even have many teeth anymore. You know, they can't really chew. They can't really process it the same. So if it just sits in their mouth, it starts dissolving. And because it's so palatable, it does tend to make more saliva. So having part equine senior, part hay pellets is a great combination for those that are, it might be in question. Okay. So there we go. We got the kind of part talked through a little bit and recognizing that the horses are not doing this to be mean. They're not doing it to be aggressive. So it's not really truly food aggression. It is food fear, <laughs> the fear of not having enough food or the demanding, you know, that they get more food because we have that into them. So by understanding that it's a fear of not having food, one of the best things we can do is actually make the food plentiful. The other thing that we can do to set ourselves up for success is don't, don't try doing this training in the middle of other horses. That's naturally going to set up this social displacement, this social, you know, convoluted social situation that can bring challenges that maybe we don't plan on. So if you have a situation where horses are continuing to eat in a place that is in a way that somebody's being driven off from the food, I would talk to the barn owner, the barn manager, and see if you can't come up with a better plan because that's not a healthy thing for any horse. But that may not be the case why it started at all. It just may be the nature of the horse and something in his history has done it. So recognize that it's a fear for food. So being more plentiful with the food can really help, but also being very acutely aware of what you're feeding at the time can address the other part of that, which is the horse who is, uh, just has learned inappropriate behaviors around food and that this has worked for them to go pursue the food and get the food and knock the human over and roll them around on the ground as we've, you know, that meme goes and to get the cookies out of them. Well, that is something that they've learned. And so that's just trained on in there. So even using more food gives you more opportunities to reinforce the correct behavior of keeping their head and body to themselves and that the food comes to them. And then there's one other thing I want to talk about before we head out and try it with some of our horses. Everybody doesn't have a food aggressive horse, but um, it's still a good thing to know um, is there's also the horses that take the food and snatch the food or bite at the hand or they go chew, 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 push, or they pinch your hand or they are too big. You know, they just, they take food inappropriately from our hands. 
Could it be a, a bit of food, quote unquote, aggression? Yes, it could be. It could be a desperation that's behind it where they're feeling like I better get every last morsel. And so then some people have said, well, just feed less. Oh, I found the opposite. I think if you feed a lot, you can, you can change that. But I look at it as a way, and sometimes it's just like Minty. He is 28 next month. And he now in the past, not with me, but with other people in the past, uh, you know, probably a couple months, he started kind of going chew, 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 and then trying to grab for the last pieces, which I imagine is his teeth not, you know, his front teeth aren't as, they're a little spotty. So he probably feels like he's missing pieces of it. So that has to do with him not being as effective at it. So he's trying to get the food. But in any case, what I do is I treat it like a behavior. So there's a couple things that I've I've tried that have worked. One is the feeding the horse a ton of food. And, and, and so their mouth is full. I give it to them right away where they have so much food. They don't, they can't even die for more food because there's, you know, so they don't even do that last punch down to get the food because they're busy with so much food in their mouth. When they, and, and it takes a bit till you realize, Ooh, I have one of those horses right now with me. So I teach it like a behavior. So I give them a lot of food. And then even before they can, as they're busy with that, I take my hand away and I give them more food. And and at that point, they're like, I can't take more food very easily. And so a lot of times they're not diving for those last little bits. I click and feed them taking the food appropriately. So I actually click it and feed it and click it and feed it and click it and feed it. So I actually reinforce them for it. But how do you set them up for success? You know, how do you, let's say you have a horse who kind of tends to dive at your hand, you're like, but, and, and he's doing it all the time and I don't know how to stop it. Or he takes my whole hand in his mouth or he, you know, or he keeps driving down, whatever it could be. I found that there's different things that have helped me to set him up for success. So for some horses, I keep raising the food, not in a way that is confrontational, like I'm ramming this in your mouth, but in a way I just keep raising my hand up and up and up and up. So they kind of start backing off to put their head in a better position to take the food. And that oftentimes helps. I worked at one point, I went and, and somebody had a zebra or zebra if you're in the UK. So they had a zebra and they said, so I was there to help teach her something and they had had a cowboy out and she could be quite feisty. And, and, you know, so they said, I said, okay, so what does she eat? And they said, well, if you feed her carrots, she takes it politely. But if you take feed her grain, she bites your hand. I said, well, bring me carrots. You know, I'm not dumb. I said, you know, I'm not stupid. Just bring me carrots. So they brought me carrots and she wouldn't take the carrots. So I said, get me the grain, you know, and as they, they brought the grain out and I thought, here we go. I'm just going to have to teach her. How, and this is very early on, you know, this is, I hadn't dealt with thousands of horses like I have now. So I had to help her to figure out, we both kind of had to figure out how can I help you to get better about this? So I thought, one of the things I do know that people do, those horses that tend to push down or take that last, like they chew, chew, and then take that thing, people tend to pull their hand down and away. A lot of times this only creates more desperation because they're like, well, I better keep, I better get it because it's going to leave. It's fleeting. And so I try not to do that. And as, as counter 
intuitive as it can seem. So if you're not comfortable with that, I would start by using a, uh, a scoop, you know, so that they can learn to take it nicely and then you can not be getting hurt. Because even with this zebra, I thought I am not moving my hand. And so I held it because I could see she was kind of diving at it, even it was coming towards her. So I kept my hand there. Now she bit kind of my thumb muscle a little bit. She didn't break skin or anything, but I did get pinched and I just held it there. And, and it wasn't so hard that I thought I'm going to lose a chunk of skin, but I just thought I'm just going to hold it here. And so she, she did that. But after that, she realized the food wasn't leaving and she ate from there on out. She ate fine. So, so I'm not encouraging you to just stand there and be stoic and take it. I watched her behavior leading up to that and I could recognize she's already diving for the food. This feels elusive to her and, and I need her to learn that it's not going anywhere. So if you see that, you feel that, get a scoop, you know, you can get those round little scoops and, and teach her to just eat the food. The food is going to be there. You can even maybe get that first mouth hand mouthful in there where there's a lot of food in her mouth and then go back to your hand and click and reinforce her nightly for taking it from your hand. So there's different ways to manage that. And the, yeah, and you know what I've noticed with a lot of those horses, this was what I was going to say, and I lost my train of thought there for a minute is a lot of times if you watch those horses eat their grain or their hay pellets from a bucket, they do the same thing. Those horses, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times those horses that do the gank, 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 bite. If you look at they, if they have a plastic feed tub, if you look, you're probably going to see scrapes in it. Or if you just watch them eat and the way they eat, they tend to do the same thing. So for some of them, it is a habit of eating. They don't know the difference between the hand and the bucket. So again, teaching it as a behavior is a really good way to go. So. There you go. I think I've covered a lot of it. I'm sure I will think of more things some other point in time. <laughs> anyway, so it is, I think this is a big issue and I think it is something that's really important that we cover and help people to understand or give you some tools and some ideas and ways to help address this a bit. Okay. So what we're going to do is we are going to go Get ready and work with our horses in the paddock. So I have a horse here who can do the, he does the snatchiness. He does the, he can take that last bit too hard. He's a, he's a, a draft cross. So he's a big horse and a young horse. And so he has a lot of energy. Oh, another thing I'm going to tell you, a lot of times I, if I, there's some horses that will, kind of get studied when they're they're doing things or they're doing positive reinforcement and oftentimes or they just when they get tense if i start feeling that things shift that things are getting more tense i oftentimes expect i may have a horse who's aroused i may have a horse who is overexcited i may have a horse who became suddenly worried about something so a lot of times tension stress energy adrenaline can create this change in behavior. So if you have a horse who sometimes is, is too much and sometimes he's not, which this young guy is, sometimes he's great. And other times he all of a sudden becomes a little bit too much or the beginning of the session, you go in, he's like, oh my gosh, you're here. I want to do stuff. And you know, and you're like, okay, I get it. You want to do your training. I'm here. We're going to do it. But 
I'll need to work on that relaxation. I can go back to that default behavior, stand quietly beside me and help him to relax a little bit. But sometimes that's not enough. He's like, no, I need to move. I'm a baby. So really trying to reinforce him and giving him a few big handfuls helps to relax him a little bit to get him to feeling a little satiated and a little bit slower. And then the, the behavior will then to begin to relinquish. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to take him. He's in the, uh, he's in one of the, the, the lunging arena. It's a square arena we have out there. So he's in there now and I'm going to go out there to him in a few minutes and I'm going to begin, uh, just seeing where he is. He might not be, he's not the worst because I don't, there's nobody here that I've let this gut un, you know, I would let this kind of go on and not address it. So it, I don't have a, a great one to do this with, but he's newest here and he's young and he can get excited. So that's what I'm going to do. So if you have a horse who does this, go get ready or just does it sometimes, or you just like to be more polite, or maybe you just want to try the methods to see what happens if I keep reaching my hand and he has to reposition his head. So whatever it is, maybe you want to listen, maybe you want to go get your horse, but if you're ready to go get your horse and work with this, get your horse to where you want him to be. Remember to get um, a food that's appropriate for your horse, which is probably going to be a lesser value food versus a higher value food for the majority of the horses. Get your target because we, we don't just stand there and feed typically I tend to work on a couple little things to give them some direction so that I can just see the the behavior occurring naturally and it also can sometimes relinquish some of their built-up energy and so I'm gonna have a target I'm gonna have my side bucket I'm gonna get my horse in a safe place and I'm going to go in and work with the horse right next to him if you have a horse who maybe is a little bit too much maybe you want to work with him from outside the fence for a bit until you feel like he understands the behavior you're looking for Okay, so going to meet you over there at the arena in a few minutes. So go get ready and, and I'll see you there. All righty. So here I am. I'm here with Jet and Jet is a sweetheart. He is a sweet, mellow horse and he is he is, he's great. I don't worry about Jet at all, but he can get kind of an excited childish way about him. And he can, he can get a little, you know, like I'm doing what I do. Cause I'm a young guy, you know, I'm a teenager. So, so he has those moments when it can be too much. And for his owner, he can be sometimes too much. And he would, sometimes I notice he does it He'll do it for her and then he won't do it for me. So what I just want to do is address it and keep working on it like a behavior. So he's not as bad as some can be. So I'm going to just kind of say that as a heads up. In some days he's better and not even doesn't even show it at all. So then it's going to be a little tricky if I don't see it at all because <laughs> then I, I don't have anything to talk about. But we're going to, by putting him out here a little bit early by himself, I kind of thought, it may get him a little bit more like, well, what's happening? When are you coming out? And and may bring his energy up just a little bit. And that's not, he's not a worrier. So it's not like it's separation anxiety or anything. But I thought just this little, this slight little change in what we're doing may, may set him up for, for, for put, bringing on a little bit more of that, that kind of that behavior that we see at, around food. Now, I'm also going to explain to you, I also want, 
So I don't feel like it's a bad thing to do that for him because it's not an extreme case and he's not separation anxiety and he's not, you know, he's not an anxious horse by nature. But I also want him when he is in situations that will inevitably happen that may create him some distraction or some anxiety. He learns how to bring it back down and how to make better choices. So that's what we can address a little bit here by, by bringing just the tiniest bit of it, you know, that may help him to, to demonstrate it and think to do it. And we can help teach him a better solution even in that little bit. Okay. So I'm ready. I've got, I have hay pellets and I have a few of the low carb treats in there so that they're low sugar and I can go in and, and I can, I can kind of mix it up in there, but I have more hay pellets than anything. But so I can pick if it's just a mix, I can't really, I can't pull a handful out without having to sift through it. But when it's mostly hay pellets, I can just sift through it sometimes too, instead of just being all in the bucket together, I will, um, have, you know, the carrots in my pocket and the hay pellets in the bucket. Anyway, so here we go. So I'm going to step in with Jet. Hi there. First things first, I start off most every session I do with teaching them to keep their head away. So that's good. And I click and I reinforce. And I can see he's a little bit up. And he did take the foot a little bit brighter than normal. And so that was, that was kind of good to see. And I reinforced him for that. Now I'm going to walk on a little bit. And then I'm going to stop. So I'm going to take a couple steps here. And I say, oh, I stop. I'm doing basically liberty leading, which is working on those downward transitions. And then as he stopped, I reinforced him. And again, I step way over. I, I, I actually reach under their heads a bit and feed them on the other side of their mouth. So they don't have to go far, but they anticipate it's coming over there. So they get the idea of just keep my head here. I'm going to have to go here anyway. And so that was good. And he's really being pretty good right now. So that's all right. We'll kind of do this a couple more times. And that's good. Good. And so I took a couple steps and then we, I clicked and I reinforced him again. And he's, he was really good about, so I'm going to click and reinforce him while he's even still chewing. Okay. So now the, the idea of kind of having a little bit of separation, not separation anxiety, but having him out here in a new place, kind of having to wait a little bit for him to go, what's going on? And he's, he's great with all change. He's great by, by himself. He's great with, he's really just a low key guy, but that really didn't seem to create any thing for me to really address very easily because he's not doing anything. He's just being a good guy. So what I'm going to do that I think may bring up his adrenaline a little bit and maybe bring in a little bit more excitement. I'm going to step out of the lunging arena. I'm going to run around the outside a little bit. So now I'm going to be in a protected contact place, but only because I want to run and really light up his, his energy because I can't really work through it when he's just being a good day for him. I mean, as far as this goes, and I'm not trying to create, I'm never trying to create unwanted behavior, but I'm trying to see, does it come up in this situation? So I'm going to be on the outside and I'm going to run back and forth a little bit. Him being a young guy, it being freezing out. I imagine that quickly he's going to turn into the big playful teenager that he can be. So I'm outside now. And I'm going to have to be a little careful because it's a little slope on the side. 
I don't want me breaking my ankle on on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, so I'm on the outside and I'm going to start running a little bit. Come on, Jet, let's go. And so I'm running and I'm, I'm running as fast as I can and he's faster than me. So let me, I got to not go talk for a second. Just going to run and get him going up there and stop. And then I'm going to click and reinforce him. So I'm doing two things. I'm actually clicking and reinforcing the downward transition, which we like, but I'm trying to bring his energy up a little bit as well. So what I'm going to do this time, one of the things I find fires up most horses is if you're running one direction and suddenly turn back the other direction. So I'm going to do that. A lot of times I have to do like a switch back and they get all playful and bigger with that. So I'm going to run around this other side that's a little more even. So Jet, ready? Come on. There we go. We're And back the other way. And that, good. Okay. And stop, and I reinforce them. Okay, so I'll click, okay, and now reinforce them again. And he's a little bit bigger. I'm going to give him another big handful. And he's still taking a little bit big. I give him another handful. He's soft. I'm going to click that, and I'm going to reinforce it again. So as we stopped, and I gave him that first handful, it was a little bit, um, it was a little bit extra worked up. So he did take it a little bit bigger and a little bit more carelessly. So, and he has a draft mouth. And this is one of the things I've noticed. The draft horses tend to envelop your hand with their lips even. So he's kind of has big open maul of a, you know, I'm going to take all this food. So he's kind of careless right now because his energy and adrenaline is up and he's looking around a bit. So the first one, he took it a little carelessly. And then, so I then gave him another one right behind it. And then as he was eating that, he was still eating the first handful. I gave him another one and that was much nicer. So I clicked and reinforced that. And then I clicked and reinforced it again when the next one was taken nicely. <sighs> so that was good. So we're eating for a minute. I'm going to let him kind of work that down. I don't want him running with a mouthful of hay pellets. Nothing, nothing like getting them down the right, wrong windpipe. So I'm going to do the same thing as I go back. I'm going to kind of do the same thing where I run and I switch directions, but I'm going to switch directions twice because it's the first one that's out of the blue that I find tends to light them up the most. Now, if I do it again, he's like, yeah, I get it. I know what you're doing. A lot of times the horse is on the switchback. They buck and play the next way because you threw a monkey wrench in the plans. So I'm going to switch one way, then switch the other way. Okay. He's about done there. I really did fill him up. Okay. Here we go. Ready, Jet? Let's go. Okay. Next super. Come on. That's it. Back this way. And this way. And good. And that's perfect. He's right with me. He's stopping when I stop. He, he is, he's, you know, he's doing great. He's not, you know, as winded as I am, but he is, he's good and paying attention. And so that is not very hard to do. And as I reinforced him, he was still a little bit careless you know, and kind of just taking the food a little carelessly, but not as careless as last time. So I ran, he, as he took it and that last little bit, he didn't dive in my hand. So I clicked and I reinforced him and that was great. And then I took that quite nicely. And then I clicked and reinforced again. 
So his little trigger is, and I'm going to leave it there. I'm just going to give him a jackpot for now. It's the kind of thing you can't go on and on about with him because he doesn't, it's only in specific situations. It's not like this is his overall eating habit. This is just when he's a little up and a little worked up or a little worried or a little whatever it might be, he presents this behavior. So I can't, he's not going to continue to do it. I did what I could to, to try to create it. And then he has sorted that out and he is in a good place. So I'm going to give him a jackpot over here. Can you come over here? I'm going to step in with him for a moment and I'm going to just stand and say, where's your head go? I mean, I don't literally have to say that, but look for him to bring that energy right back down, stop, turn his head away and look for softness. And I click and reinforce and he eats it quite well. And then I'm going to give him a jackpot or a magnitude reinforcement and let him just eat that out here for a minute. So that's great. Okay. So I, you know, this is, this is not the easiest one to recreate clearly, you know, teaching trailer loading, you know, I, I can do that. I know where the horse kind of is. There's steps that can be part of it. It's always a small step, but, but this is a little bit harder to reproduce or to know what I'm going to get or to even have. So while I don't necessarily have a horse that I've seen and dealt with many, many times, before, it's still an important topic that I wanted to bring up and see if I could create a little bit of it with Jet and 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 show you what I was looking for. And and it was a little more challenging than than some some of our exercises or some of our lab times. Okay, so I am going to um, when he's done, I'm going to take him back in and put him home. The other piece that I'm going to tell you about that he can do sometimes is he can also be very much wanting to get the food before I am even got it in his bucket or, before, you know, he's just wanting to put his head in it. So once I get him back there, I'm going to wait and make sure he turns his head away before the food is delivered because this is a place where he can get a little bit kind of pushy, big kitty, you know, like a big kid about it. Like, I just want to eat my food. It's like, no, we have manners around our food. So that is a little piece. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the homework. Okay. So I'm heading back and you guys find a good place to end at and with your horse, a good ending spot and give him a jackpot and maybe stop and work on that relaxation a little bit more if need be. And then we will meet back in the classroom. Alrighty, everybody. I hope that that made some sense to you. I, it was a little challenging to create with, with Jet or any other horse here really at this time, but, but I hopefully that did make some sense to you and, and you understood even how I was trying to create it a little bit with Jet. And because he, he doesn't do it as much for me, it makes it again, even a little bit more challenging, but, but he's also a really good boy, a good learner and really wants to please. Now, Hopefully all that kind of those ideas, those thoughts, those whys, those hows, what can you do have all made sense to you. There's another situation that can be a fruit, food aggressive kind of situation to think about. You know, sometimes it's socially driven and, you know, sometimes it's just food driven and sometimes, and this, I guess, is a situation where with Jet, it is just a little bit food driven and it is, he's going back at me time. 
So he was, you know, he has hay all the time. He always has hay. But as we get back in the barn, he can hear the carts going through the barn. You know, so the carts are, you know, driving. They know, you know, they can hear them on the other side of the barn, but they know, ooh, the whole thing's coming. So I try to be sure that horses can work through that without agitation, that everybody's comfortable. But still, there's a certain amount of anticipation that can happen with it. And I'm also going to tell you in a big barn, in any big barn, a lot of times what people do is they just feed. They don't pay attention to the behavior that's happening because they're just working in a big barn. You know, it's not their horses. They're not even trainers. They're not, they're, they're just, you know, they clean stalls and, and feed and, and look after the horses, but they're not trainers. And so a lot of times what happens is sometimes your own barn staff can be tricky with um, Minty, what he would do is uh, I've been able to take him any place, all of our horses. We could go places and people would say, you know, we're there to do a clinic. And they'd say, we feed at 630. I'm sure you want us to give your horses some food. And I'd be like, no, I'll be out at seven. I'll be fine. And they'd be like, okay. And they think we're being mean. Well, my horses never knew once somebody's fed, I get fed. They just didn't know that routine because they'd all get fed individually and they would, I mean, I really worked hard not to create this pattern. So you could go in the barn, they would, you come in, at, you know, at seven, because that's when I was going to come in and they'd say, oh, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything, you know, and they'd just be surprised because all the other horses are banging and rapping and kicking and nickering and, you know, shaking their heads and they would just be completely <laughs> relaxed because that didn't, they just thought, why is everybody being so weird? You know, they didn't know this, this whole pattern. Well, then, you know, time goes on and Minty was um, living in Minnesota without me for a while. He was outside though. And so I'm sure he had some uh, kind of some social work with horses. But then as I got back, got him back to me, a lot of times he's in a place where this wasn't my own barn now. So he was fed by whoever was in the barn. And there was you know, I remember one place, so he developed habits, you know, he developed because he would get reinforced for it by the people because they would just feed. So as the other horses would get worked up, you know, and he might try some things and think, because he hadn't really been exposed to that with me. And he would, they would, the other horses get worked up, and then he would get worked up and then it would, and then he'd get reinforced. So I'm in the place I was before here, actually. And the woman said, Oh, Minty bangs on the door, so I feed him first. <laughs> and I thought, oh, good, he'll never do that again. You know, because basically he bangs on the door and then he gets fed first. He just, he was training her, you know, so while she's trying to quiet him, in essence, in the long run, she made it harder to get rid of that behavior because it was now something he thinks, I do this and I get fed first. So that is uh, just a little food for thought. There, that sometimes the people, whether it's us, whether it's people that are in their lives, can actually be creating um, some things that can be uh, anxiety around horses. There's one horse I worked with, and he, what he would do is when he didn't like people coming into his stall. So at feeding time, they'd come in to give him his food. He would turn his butt to them, and then they'd feed him and get out of there. You know, so they essentially were reinforcing the behavior. So he was doing it to be a little defensive of his stall. That was another resource he was guarding. He's like, I don't want people in my stall. And so as he would turn the butt, they would 
they would dump the food and get out of there. And it was, they were really concerned that it was going to turn to kicking. And so I was called in and I said, okay, well, as we went in, he, uh, as I went in, I, I, I only opened the door like six inches. I didn't even go all the way in. I opened it and I clicked, you know, to open the latch and I opened it like six inches. He turned his butt and I just waited. And you could see him after a bit of little, you could see little soury, snaky head on the other side of his body. And then he looked over his shoulder with his eyes bright, his ears bright. And he's like, why aren't you feeding me? And then as soon as he turned around, I went in and fed him. And that was that, you know, it's all you had to do was be aware of the behavior that was occurring at the time. And you could change the behavior that was getting reinforced. And so then what he did is he just stood and looked bright eyed and that's how he got his food. But accidentally they had reinforced him for this, you know, threatening to kick essentially. So this is kind of what leads me to the jet situation. So clearly in jets world, somehow he has learned at some point in his life that if I, I just go after the food big and I just go after the food. And so I take my big giant head and I push it in the bucket. I push it in the rubber tub. I push it into the scoop because those are all different ways we feed them. And I do not, I, so I take it in I take that scoop and I just kind of hold it and I won't let him get to it. I don't dance or anything. I just wait because I know he knows the behavior already. I've trained this behavior. He knows the behavior of stop and turn your head away. So I just wait and see him go, oh, that's right. And he'll slow down. He turn his head away and then I dump the food in his bucket. So that is another piece of his, it's, it's not food aggression. It is food displacement. You know, he's not really being aggressive. He's just going after food because that's how it's worked for him. And he wants to displace the human so he can get the food. And so being aware of that is really important because this can come about in all sorts of situations. It may look very different for different horses, whether it's just taking the food inappropriately from your hand, whether it's trying to, you know, to scare you away from the food, whether it's him just thinking, I just want to eat the food or it's, you know, whatever it might be. There's, it is a behavior that is getting reinforced somehow. Somehow it works for them or they wouldn't be doing it. They don't just do things arbitrarily. They have learned this behavior serves me in one shape, way, shape or form. I'm either getting something I want or avoiding something I don't want. So when we stop and think about it like that. Instead of focusing on what we don't want, think, what do I want? And think, I want you to keep your head to yourself. Well, how can I create that? Or whatever it might be. I want you to take the food softly. How can I create that so I can reinforce it? So it is a big and, and in-depth, I, I think, um, subject and a very common subject. And it can come about in many ways and manifest itself in many ways. So I hope this has helped you to think about some different ideas or different, you know, ways you might be able to address something you're seeing. You know, there's also great gate aggression, which we talked about um, in an earlier lesson about dealing with more than one horse and how do you get them to have manners at the gate. That's, that's a variation of the same thing in a way, except you have more than one. So it's kind of uh, something to keep in mind if you want to go listen to that one. Anyway, I hope that this has helped you. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I have certainly enjoyed, I always enjoy teaching and helping you guys learn more ideas for ways to address some of your horse's challenges or teaching them fun stuff to do. And you know, you can listen to this lesson 
on most of your favorite podcast podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is available for the iOS or Apple devices, as well as Android devices. Just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free, of course, and easy to use, of course. And so it makes it really easy to keep track of and and know and have all your favorite Horse Radio Network podcasts there because I'm sure there's more than one. So be sure to visit all of the great shows on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. I always say this, but it's always impresses me how many shows are on the Horse Radio Network. There's Oh, there's just all different disciplines, all different schools of thoughts, all different, you know, breeds, just all different things. It's very diverse and a lot of things to, that you can, there's something there for everyone. And then there's always the favorite horses in the morning radio, which is just a lot of fun. And that's actually where I got my start first knowing the Horse Radio Network family. Anyway, you can also listen to this podcast on um as I mentioned earlier, if you go to my website and you can find it on a page that says podcast. So shawnacarish.com, you'll find the podcast page, open that up. You can kind of peruse and find some topics that are appealing to you or maybe something you're struggling with, with your horse. We're really trying to search bar sorted out. Hopefully it is sorted out and more well now because I would search things that I know are in the title and I'm like it's not even coming up so I talked to my web people and I think they got it sorted out now anyway and, and of course there if you want to put in your ask Shauna questions or you want to get product or you want to learn more about Vianova it's all kind of in the same place so there you go all right you guys this has been great fun and I look forward to talking with you next time bye bye <music>